Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Sarah Kalori. Sarah, how are you doing? Good morning. I am nervous uh, and hungry because I skipped breakfast, but very happy to be here. There is no need to fear. Uh, all of my guests who have been in the hot seat thus far have lived to tell the tale. Uh, they, they may have been a little bit worse for wear afterwards, but you will survive, much like Gloria Gaynor said. I tell that to my students whenever I give them their final exams, which was last week. So, you know, it, it's interesting to be on this side of it because I haven't in a while. <laughs> well, if you're not, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what brings you to the hot seat, who you are, what you do, and why you do the things you do. So, my name is Sarah Calori. I am a physics professor living in Southern California, but originally from the East Coast. Uh, a sad artifact of that is my wonderful Jersey accent is slowly declining. I have basically been made too angry slash depressed in the morning by the news, so I started listening to trivia podcasts and um, got turned on to beat my guest, and I have been binging it long enough that I am foolhardy enough to try it out. Um, I figure, being a physics professor, I often have class averages that are really low, so I can be on this side of it for once and feel how my students feel, so maybe this will be an exercise in empathy. There you go. There you go. Uh, you'll you'll be happy to know that I have no disdain towards physics professors. It was my chemistry professor uh, from high school who I still harbor uh, deep-seated resentment to this day for writing E equals blank C squared on the board and then asking Mr. Mass to come up to the board to complete the equation. <laughs> no worries. Let me explain for you uh, exactly what's going on here. Uh, this is a trivia game, and there's going to be four rounds of four questions apiece in each round. I'm going to let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for each round before we get started. And before I read those questions, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right. You get the points. It's really just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth up to 10 points at the end of the game. You, Sarah, get to field what we call the confidence question. It's your last chance to try and improve your final score. I will explain all. All that when we get there. However, we cannot get there until we wow. have the Big Bang to initiate the onset of time. I don't know. It's physics, physics, physics. You know. <laughs> Let's get started with round one. Point values available to you, Sarah, will be one, three, five, and seven. And here are the categories we're using today for round one. We're going to kick things off with Fungo. Moving along to Sports. Following that up with By the Book. And we are going to wrap up round one with Who Done It? But first things first, Fungo. That is the category where I give you three disparate clues, each alike in dignity, and all pointing towards the same singular answer. Yes, we're looking for that quantum singularity. Uh, one, three, five, or seven for Fungo. Um. There are three possibilities, but three possibilities to get it wrong. Um, I have to save one for sports, so let's Go with five, because why not? Why not indeed? Five points for Fungo. Your initial foray into the hot seat. I wish you well. I wish you luck. I wish AJ would just ask the question. Here we go with your Fungo. Clue number one. Something that might fool a teller. Clue number two. 
Another thing to call some Johns. Clue number three. It might be removed. Trump or no Trump. I'm trying. I'm like cluing on the wordplay because Teller, I want, I just cues up like a counterfeit bill. But then Johns also make me think of either a toilet or a pimp. So how are those two things? Really? Actually, not a pimp because that would be the seller, not the buyer. Um, but I'm also thinking toilet. And then might be removed. The first thing was a mole, but Trump or no Trump. Hmm. Also makes me think of cards. There's too many ambiguities here. Uh, sometimes I find them so much more clearer. And sometimes I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, Teller also makes me think of Penn and Teller. But I can't see that as much with where I'm going. What's something that could be a toilet, but also like a counterfeit money? Because that's what I was, I was thinking. A loo. I don't think a loo has to do anything. But I don't know why I'm queuing on the British thing. and might be removed. Ooh. Trump or no Trump? What do you remove from, say, a card game? Well, I feel like I am off to a fantastic start here. We'll tell her. I feel like there must be some, I feel like I'm missing some slang for like a counterfeit bill. Remove a hat. I feel like you could remove a mole. In order of not being here forever, I'm going to go with something that I feel like hits two out of the three. And that may be something with a mole, like thinking about a spy or something. So let's go with mole. Mole is your answer. So I always find the talking out process and part of the reason I love this podcast so much from uh, from my side of the things is just to hear how people's brains work. And, and, and that's why the talking out to me is always fascinating. I believe all three of these you hit at some point the <laughs> right area and just never kind of combine them all into the right location. Indeed, the teller... And something might fool a teller does have to do with magicians, pen, and teller. They have a TV show called Fool Us. Uh, people come on and they perform for them. And hopefully they can uh, do a performance that they cannot figure out. It is a trick. A trick. Something that a John is called by. Oh! Yes. By, by, by those uh, sex workers on the street. They turn tricks. Yes. There's another word for Johns. And I didn't know that. I did not know that a trick was referring to the John. Indeed. Uh, it can also refer to the per perhaps very uh, limber <laughs> stunts that they perform in private. But yes, a John is equivalent to a trick. And Trump or no Trump referring to bridge, you take a trick and you remove it from the board. Trick is the answer. It was tricky, 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 tricky huh, to start the game off. I'm sorry, but I cannot give you the points. Oh, that's all right. We're, we're having fun, and that's most of what matters. Indeed. The bring, bringing in the noise, bringing in the fungo. Uh, <laughs> let us move on to question two. You're getting warmed up. The hot seat, first time in the hot seat. I get it. It takes a little bit of time to warm up. Hopefully, we can turn up the heat just a little bit here. Uh, sports, one, three, or seven. Oh, God, if you had a zero, I'd go with zero. But we're going to have to do one on this one. Okay. One for sports. You never know. You yeah. never know. Stranger things have happened. Uh, <laughs> here is your one-point sports question. One of the greatest pool players of all time, he won the World Straight Pool Championship 15 times from 1941 through 1957. Who is he? Um, I can name, like, one pool person. Because I had an ex-boyfriend who would just play, like, one of the ESPNs all night. And, you know, 
sometimes you see the pool thing. The only thing, I don't know if straight is like an actual name in the pool contest, but the thing that made me think of is Massey, which I think is also the spin, and that is literally the only person I can associate with the game of pool, so we're going to go with Massey. Massey, no relation, uh, is your answer here. Yeah, the spin is actually Massé, oh. like an E with an accent on it, uh, but Massey was indeed a, a pool player at the time. Not our answer that we were going for here, however. You know, uh, the world straight pool, uh, straight pool as opposed to snooker or uh, some sort of uh, eight ball or nine ball. It was just, you know, sink all the balls, that kind of straight pool. It has nothing to do with the uh, sex workers we discussed in question one. <laughs> in those olden days, there are two pool players of note. Uh, one of which is Minnesota Fats, who was a character in The Hustler, but then a real-life pool player took on that persona because he claimed it was about him anyway because the technical advisor on that film and 15-time World Straight Pool Champion was... He was a technical advisor on the film, and he said, he based that character on me, goddammit. He didn't give me credit, so now I'm changing my name to Minnesota Fats to make sure I get credit. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that is a pool player by the name of Willie Moscone. Yeah, Moscone. that would not have happened. So that we could have sat here all day. That's okay. You know, one point. One point. Not the end of the world there. You you wagered wisely then. Two questions down. Two questions to go in round one. Always a bumpy ride in that first round through. By the book, though. That is our literature category. Three points or seven points for you, Sarah. This one's hard because... It's a newer category, so I don't have, like, I haven't binged enough to, to know how I would do with this. Let's, so let's just go with seven. Seven points. All right. It is a very simple category to explain whether or not the answer is simple to come by. That's, uh, your mileage may vary. Uh, simply put, I'm going to give you the year of publication of a book, and then I'm going to give you four chapter titles from said book. All you have to do is tell me what book I'm talking about. Easy peasy. Here is your seven point by the book. The year is 1985, and your chapter titles are as follows. Protestant, Forebears, Sumus Quad Sumus, and 95 Theses 95. What book am I talking about? So the, the theme seems to be Martin Luther. At, at least that's what I am picking up between Protestant and the 95 Theses. What book is about Martin Luther? That's a great... Great question. 1985. This is the year I was born. <laughs> um, so this is not something I would have picked up probably during my childhood or anything. But I don't know if this is like a red herring for me to think of something set in alternate history or sci-fi. Because I feel like I read some authors that, you know, definitely play with the sci-fi alternate history of it that could write in this genre. But I also feel like they are... More modern than 1985. Who's writing something about possibly Martin Luther in 1985 that I could think of? Yeah, none of this is. Sometimes it's just I really get it and sometimes I really don't. And I feel like this is, it's not classic enough that I really should cue on something and it's not in my wheelhouse enough that it's making me familiar. I don't know, something in my mind, I don't know, my dad's voice in my head is like Philip Roth, but that doesn't seem right, because I feel like he writes from more of like a Jewish perspective than Protestant perspective. But I do know he is currently alive and writing, so he would fit the 1985 timeline, but I can't think of too much, too much of his. I am kind of drawing 
a blank here. Oh, I don't really know. At least I've guessed two out of the three so far because I'm not, I was terrified of having like three give ups, three crying <laughs> uncles in a row. The 95 Theses 95 is, is throwing me off because it feels like it's some type of futurism thing, like a near futurism thing written, written in 1985. And I almost, it, it makes me think of almost Neil Stevenson and his alternate history stuff, but I know that's way too late. The other one is like Harry Turtledove, I think, but doesn't he write more Americana alternate history? I don't know, but I feel maybe another American writer that might touch on this stuff is like Kurt Vonnegut. I'm just going to name something of his that I think might be like in that 80s time slots. So let's go with Breakfast of Champions because I have no idea. Okay, Breakfast of Champions is your answer by the book category. Sometimes can be a bit of a crapshoot if you haven't read the book. How are you going to know what the chapters yeah. are? Uh, one of the hints for, uh, or one of the, I guess, uh, words of wisdom, words of advice, how to figure out an answer if you don't know what it is. Sometimes it's good to listen or to hearken back to the previous question. Sometimes there's a through line or, or some sort of, uh, way to figure it out. We discussed, uh, Minnesota Fats as being the rival of Willie Moscone in the previous question. I carried that Minnesota over into this question. This is a book that is set in Minnesota. It is a novel that was based upon the radio monologue story time of an author by the name of Garrison Keillor. Oh! This is from Lake Wobegon Days. And it's funny, on my little notepad that I could keep track of points, I literally wrote at the top, don't forget connections. And that was my advice to myself that I've completely ignored. Well, you know, that's it's quite all right. We'll just, you know, let Wobegons be Wobegons. Yeah, I, I, if I would have even made that connection, though, I would have said, oh, it must be Prairie Home Companion, and I wouldn't have gotten the book anyway. Oh, there you go. It's all well and good. Yeah, he ended up, uh, I believe, winning the Grammy for the uh, audiobook of that, which, you know, was probably really easy for him to uh, come up with since he probably just transcribed what he had already recorded in the first place when he wrote the book so oh yeah you want to know your book hang on clip 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 here you go uh easiest uh, grammy anyone's ever won uh cannot give you the points three questions in but let us see if we can avoid that goose egg we've got three points left here in round one we have who done it left that is our biographical blurb which i will read to you and you must give me the answer to who done it? Are you ready, Sarah? Sure. <laughs> the confidence oozing off of Sarah there. <laughs> Here is your three-point who done it. New Orleans district attorney, portrayed on film by Kevin Costner, whose accusations resulted in a trial where the public was exposed to the infamous magic bullet film for the very first time. Who done it? Okay, New Orleans DA, played by Kevin Costner, the magic bullet film. I thought I thought I had I thought I had it because I thought Kevin Costner isn't he in The Untouchables as Elliot Ness? But the Magic Bullet film makes me think of like Kennedy and the Zap Bruder film. But I I thought that was just a person. Yeah, I really thought I had it with Elliot Ness. But I I, the, I could be wrong with the Magic Bullet film. I've never heard the Zap Bruder film referred to that before. I mean, I've heard like Magic Bullet theory, like it with conspiracy theories. I think I'm just gonna have to go with with. Elliot Ness, because I believe that was who he played in something with the Untouchables, and that's what popped into my mind. And I have a real bad tendency with like Learned League to talk myself out of answers that pop into my mind. So I'm just gonna go with Elliot Ness. Fair enough. Elliot Ness 
is your answer. And while Elliot Ness and his Untouchables is indeed something that has been captured on film, and certainly Kevin Costner taking a vacation from Waterworld uh, <laughs> to take part in that film. Uh, no, you were actually uh, correct with your uh, second option there. The film involving the magic bullet uh, certainly refers to the Zapruder film. We are indeed talking about the uh, JFK assassination and the movie by Oliver Stone, JFK, in which Kevin Costner portrays a New Orleans district attorney, the real-life district attorney who is the only person to have ever, to date, uh, put anyone on trial for the assassination of John F. Kennedy, tried a man by the name of Clay Shaw for conspiracy to commit murder. And, uh, well, if you saw the film, you know Tommy Lee Jones played uh, Clay Shaw and uh, all the uh, justice wheels moving uh, conspiracy theories uh, all took part in the film. The man himself, uh, who uh, he was portraying, actually had a cameo in the film as the judge in the trial who got to essentially yell at himself and tell him he's wrong, wrong, wrong. Kind of kind of amusing and ironic for those who recognize that uh, he was there. This is a man by the name of Jim Garrison. No, that would not... If I just guessed Garrison, would you have given it to me? I... I... I would have had to, yes. Yeah, I it's I went with a gut feeling, which like ninety nine percent of the time, if I switch from the gut feeling, leads me to a wrong answer. So it's it's I feel like I at least got the Kevin Costner part, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Some some days I answer all the questions when I listen. Well, not all, never all. Some days I answer some, and sometimes apparently now I'm answering zero. I'm making it very easy for people to do well against me. Indeed. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> My guest is being quite quite the hostess here. Uh, <laughs> you're not the first person to uh, zero out of their first ever round. You won't be the last. Let us just move right on to round two here. Uh, brand new categories for you. Brand new point values for you. We are going to hit the ground running, as it were, and I sense some momentum moving forward here as the point values increase to 2, 4, 6, and 8. And here are the categories we're going to be using for this round, kicking things off with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. Following that up with analogies, moving along to television, and we are going to wrap up round two and the first half with the sorting hat. Points to Gryffindor! Hopefully we'll have points to Sarah as we kick things off with audio hodgepodge, two, four, six, or eight. I gotta save two for television. Audio hodgepodge feels like such a mixed bag. So it's one of these. I, I sometimes you just know it, and sometimes you don't. Let's let's go with six. Six points for audio hodgepodge. Here's how it's going to work. I am going to ask you a question. After I ask you the question, I'm going to play a little clip for you. The idea is that after you hear the clip, you'll have a better chance at answering the question than before. Uh, try it at home. Try it at home. Write it on an, ans- an answer before you hear the clip. I guarantee you, you'll have a better shot at it afterwards. Especially for this six-point question, which is as follows, Sarah. What movie is being parodied here during an interview segment of The Graham Norton Show? I could see why some people took him for annoying. (laughs) He had a walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. (laughs) And boy, did he drink. He drank like a man without a care or worry in the world. (laughs) I hope to finish this talk show one day. (laughs) I hope Michael stops talking for just one second. (laughs) 
I hope people stop asking me to do stupid voiceovers like this. Uh, that is clearly Morgan Freeman. <laughs> that that one was was very clear to me. Um, Morgan Freeman doing an audio narration, and it really made me think of I. I'm trying to ha- how to how to give you enough airtime thinking about this because it was like in my mind it's like oh it sounds like the narration at the beginning of the Shawshank Redemption where he's narrating kind of Andy Dufresne's first stepping into the prison and how he could tell he was different. Um, so I am going to go with Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption is your answer. You know there are a lot of people out there who have unmistakable voices and certainly. Yeah, uh, Morgan Freeman is one of those voices that was indeed Morgan Freeman. And he was doing a little parody there of one of his movies, a movie which you you recognize the beginning of the film. He also, the end of the film, which is one of my least favorite movie endings of all time. I hope I see my friend again. Uh, And then the filmmakers, Frank Darabont, didn't trust the audience enough filming a scene where he does meet his friend again, which defeats the purpose of having hope when you've just proven that he will meet his friend again. It's just, it just leaves a sour <laughs> taste in my mouth. You didn't need it. Just end with him on the bus. Anyway, Shawshank Redemption is correct. Well done. I got points. I don't have zero. <laughs> Yay. That's, this was my goal is to like not have zero points by the end of this. So oh. I, can, I can quit now. We're good. <laughs> well, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I have a feeling there's going to be some questions here that you're going to get uh, in the future. Not just this one, but well done getting on the board and off the schneid there. Six points for you. Let's keep this ball rolling here and move along to analogies. Uh, two, four, or eight. I feel better about this than the other two, so I'm going to have to go with eight. Eight points for analogies. Can you suss out what... I'm analogizing about. Let's find out. Here is your analogy. March is to penguins as vanishing is to what? Oh, God. Okay, I totally get the first half because uh, Morgan Freeman narrated the uh, the English language version of March of the Penguins. So it's vanishing of the... And I'm assuming it's some other type of documentary, possibly an animal documentary vanishing of the i don't i don't know if it's animals i i think the connection is in the the shot um morgan freeman to march of the penguins so i'm not gonna probably not try and dive any deeper into that one because i think it's just gonna take me down a wrong road vanishing of the is there some type of animal that has been going extinct that they'd make a documentary about and and yes the answer is, unfortunately, yes, there are a lot of animals. Um, the first thing that popped in my mind is actually bees because of how widespread of a problem that's been globally. But I don't, it's not bringing to my mind that vanishing of the bees. But I don't know if I can think of anything better right now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's, I mean, you could think of poaching with things like elephants or rhinos. But none of this is like ringing a bell in my head for anything particular it could be something completely unrelated to uh, animals it could be vanishing of the rainforest but that doesn't seem very catchy yeah i feel like if if i was gonna know this it would have rang a bell um i think i'm just not gonna get it let's go with bees because i know that's been a, a big kind of mystery and a possible global problem that bees are on the decline okay 
bees is your answer. Uh, certainly, as we were talking about Morgan Freeman, we know that the penguins like to march down to the shores of the icy waters. Uh, yeah, March of the Penguins is, is uh, what we're looking at there. So we are looking at another documentary that takes the form of Vanishing of the What? I think you sussed that out perfectly well. Question is, did you come up with the correct thing that was vanishing from this 2009 award-winning documentary that here in the United States was uh, narrated by one Miss Ellen Page? Uh, she did not do the original UK version. I don't know why. It was in English. I don't know why they felt the need to re-record it, but yet they did. This is about the collapse of colonies, and it is the vanishing of the bees. Well, oh my god! Done. And double digits! Wow! Look at this. Was I'm meeting like my low level and high level goals so far? Yeah. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. Excellent. Yeah, that was, uh, you pretty much nailed it on the head. It was about the, the fact that bees seem to be vanishing for no apparent reason. Can we save the bees? Without the bees, there ain't no flowers. Without the flowers, there ain't no food, and so on and so forth. And bye-bye, uh, humanity. Huh. <laughs> Just an uplifting film, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> sure, it was great. By this time, I noticed my refrigerator was lacking honey. <laughs> I walked down to the store, and people kept harassing me. Anyway. You just you just made me think I really want, like, a Trapped in the Closet narrated by Morgan Freeman. You know? Hey, R. Kelly, oh. hook, hook, hook us up. We'll figure it out here. Um, timely. Speaking of timely, time for two more questions in this round. I don't know if that was a really good segue, but I'm going with it. Television's up next. You've got two. You've got four. Uh, your television, I think, sometimes tends to skew a little older than me than when i was watching a lot of tv so we're just gonna have to go with two there two points all right we shall see oh ye of little faith here is your two-point television question Paige davis laurie smith and doug wilson are among the cast of what show which finished up its ninth season earlier in 2019 with an episode entitled the honey don't list Oh, I'm excited. I, I think I, I am pretty sure I know this one. Um, I love things that are camp, and I love watching disasters on television. And I watch this network a lot because it has turned from the learning channel into, like, watch human disasters on many levels. It is my, I, I believe this is a TLC show, and TLC is my go-to grading uh, background noise for stuff that I can ignore, but also if I need a five-minute break, jump in and watch whatever horrific thing they're showing. Um, and I believe this is referred to, uh, referring to. Uh, oh my god, I'm. It's like trading, trading. Why am I like? I almost said trading places. I was like, no, that's the movie. It's its name. It's trading spaces because I love. I'm. Too bad you didn't mention Hildy because she makes the best disaster rooms. Um, but I believe it is Trading Spaces. Trading Spaces is your answer. Brought back after a many-year hiatus with many of the original crew, including my wife's personal favorite, Vern Yip. Oh, I like Vern. And her, of course, one of her least favorite, Hildy Santo Tomas. Yeah, my wife is an interior designer. Very good at what she does. One of her chief complaints is that it cannot make the changes to a room this quickly. It takes a lot more time and a lot more budget than they have there to get it to look anything uh, worth having. And nevertheless, it is a guilty pleasure show. It is Trading Spaces. Well done. Two points for you. Three in a row, Sarah. Don't don't jinx me. That's I thought. Now now that you said something. 
It's my job to jinx the guests when they're doing well. Support when doing poorly. Jinx when doing well. Uh, excellent job there. We've got one question left. Do 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 do. Here is the question. It is the sorting hat. It is going to be worth four points if you can get it correct. Here's how this category works. I'm going to give you three items, and then I'm going to give you a way to sort the items. If you can get all three items in the correct order, you'll get your four points. And so, Sarah, I'm going to ask you to sort these three from earliest to most recent. Earliest to most recent. The first broadcast of the following three television networks. Origin date of these television networks. We have A, A and E, B, ESPN, and C, TLC. A&E, ESPN, TLC, please place them in order from earliest debut date to most recent debut date. All right. I, I can't pretend to know exactly when any of these have started, but I, I believe ESPN is one of these. I always think it's been around longer than it has. And I think it's maybe like, it might be completely off track, but I feel like I remember hearing like ESPN is something from the 80s. And I always think it's a much older network. TLC... Now, do you want when it was TLC or do you want when it was the Learning Channel? Because those are two different beasts. I'm looking for the earliest. Okay, that's, that's what I figured. But, uh, you know, it, it has evolved into something completely different. And I want to say the Learning Channel was like the early 90s because I remember starting to watch it when I was little. It was actually like more medical and health and scientific documentary shows. So I think that one is like... ESPN might be a little before me. The, the A&E is the one that is really throwing me because I, I feel like it's like arts and entertainment or something, which is vague enough that it might have been like an early cable channel, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm between A&E and ESPN for the earliest, and I, I feel confident that TLC is the latest, but I could be completely off. I'm going to go... Um, this is just a bit of a stab. I don't have anything other than a complete gut feeling. Um, let's go with ESPN earliest, A&E in the middle, and TLC the latest. So I think that is B-A-C. B-A-C is your uh, guess here. ESPN, A&D, TLC in that order. Uh, so many people listening to the podcast know that I work for a certain four-lettered sports station. Uh, at least for the dot-com, and uh, I am very, very well aware, painfully aware, that this is our 40th anniversary, and so 1979 would be the debut date of ESPN, painfully aware, Uh, (laughs) started out, and in one little room in Bristol, Connecticut, and Bristol, Connecticut's uh, headquarters, quite, quite larger today, A&E, which used to be called the Arts and Entertainment Network, it was the Arts Network which merged with the Entertainment Network, but the Entertainment Network had only been around for like nine months and just kind of like failed. So we're going to forget about them and just deal with the A in A&E, uh, originally called the Alpha Repertory Television Station. That is really compelling to watch. Indeed. Uh, soon after, changed its name to the Arts Network and then merged with the Entertainment Network, hence the ampersand. That kicked off in 1981. 1981 and that leaves us with tlc formerly the learning channel 
And before that, had the same type of programming, but had a really stupid name. It was called the Appalachian Community Service Network. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been around since 1972. Wow, I had no idea. Indeed, indeed. And then just got a rebranding. <laughs> but the station's programming didn't need to change all that much. Uh, so the correct order here was CBA. Very close, very close. Just not close enough to give you the points. My jinx apparently worked. I apologize, but uh, such is life. You know, as in the words of, of Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. Indeed, and three out of four ain't bad either. I know that wasn't his song, but, uh, you know. Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, we Out of a possible 20 points in that round, you got 16 points. I don't have to hold for the math here, because adding it to the round one total, <laughs> 16 points. Uh, that's a pretty darn good score as we head into half. Here's how halftime works, Sarah. Simply put, this season, for halftime, I am going to give you the name of a top 10 list. All you have to do is to give me one item that you think is on that list. If you give me the number one item, you'll get one point. Give me the number two item, you will get two points, and so on, up to number ten, which is worth ten points. However, the danger here is, if you give me an item that is not in the top ten, i.e. numbers eleven and on, or not qualified at all, you get a goose egg. So, please, choose wisely. Here is the top ten list we'll be using today. For the calendar year of 2018, I need for you to give me an item on the top ten. 10. Most watched basic cable networks in a given 24-hour period. The average 24-hour viewing, not just prime time, but the entire day schedule. Top 10 most watched basic cable networks. That means no HBO or things like that. Take a few moments to think about your answer, and we will be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Sarah Kalori. When we last left Sarah, she was sitting on 16 points and working on the following halftime bonus list. 2018, the top 10 most watched basic cable networks for any given 24-hour period, meaning not just prime time, but the entire day's schedule. Sarah, whenever you're ready, what do you got for me? Okay, so basic cable. The thing that got me at first thinking was the 24-hour period, because there's a lot, you know, if you ever can't sleep and want to turn on the TV, there's a lot that turned to infomercials at night. So I, I think that overnight stuff might be contributing. I'm trying to think of I, I either my go-to at, like, the middle of the night is either Law & Order or Forensic Files, and I'm like, what, what, uh... What channels broadcast those things, you know, 12 out of 24 hours of day? And then Law & Order made me think of TNT, which I know carries enough original programming that they might be getting kind of spikes in the viewership there and then using Law & Order to, like, average that out over the course of, like, a 24-hour period. Um, but I wonder if you could say the same thing as USA, because... I know Mr. Robot's been really well-received there, and they've had some of the bigger shows. Yeah, they're carrying both, like, some of the Law & Order franchises, which my guess is it might be enough to keep people in the middle of the night, you know, who can't sleep watching things. I don't 
Thank you. I, I don't know how much those two turn to infomercials at night that would lead to decline in viewership. But to me, those are the networks that have both original programming and enough rewatchable stuff. Because I know there's stuff like A&E, which ha- or is it AMC is with The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, though, which might get a big viewership. Well, that Breaking Bad finished a while ago, but I know they they have shows that tend to also grab large numbers of viewers. There is a top 10 list, though, so it's not like I have to get number one. It would be nice to get number 10, but I'd rather get number one and get one point than get 11 and down and get zero points. Yeah, so I'm kind of oscillating, I think, between, like, I feel like TNT, USA, and AMC are the bigger enough ones that they might get a fairly large viewership. The question is, which one do I go with? I mean, I'd rather have something that is on, uh, like, on the list rather than not on the list. Uh, For context, I go to casinos and play, like, nickel slots because I'm like, you don't win much, but, uh, you know, you're losing money the slowest. It seems like the safest bet. Same thing with bingo. You might lose 15 bucks, but you get hours of entertainment value. Um, So I tend to go conservative. I am going to go, because I know things like Walking Dead has got pretty pretty large ranges, and they've had some good original programming. I'm going to go with um, AMC. AMC is your answer. Let's go over this list, and let's see how you did with this endeavor in first place. At number one, on a decline from previous years, but still sitting at number one, is the Fox News Channel. Mm. Fox News. I forgot, like, in my mind, I completely forget the news channels as cable channels. Like, it's a separate category in my mind. So it's probably, like, ten news channels, and I didn't even come close to naming something. On the decline, but uh, certainly watched by millions of empty chairs in doctor's offices and airports all around the country. Uh, (laughs) uh, Number two on the list, well, on the rise, not quite caught up to Fox News, but getting closer is... The other end of the argument, MSNBC. A lot of, I think a lot of trials and uh, reports and congressional things going on just, uh, again, just makes the newsworthiness of these channels uh, sit up there. At number three, if you got kids, you know that this is probably well-watched. It is Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. It's funny, I, you know, I grew up watching it, and in my mind, I didn't think about it now, because I'm like, oh, kids aren't watching that overnight. I don't know if they were still getting the the overnight numbers. I thought they would have smaller numbers, but consistent numbers. Well, enough to finish third on our list was the Nickelodeon. Uh, At number four, and really, really, we need to work on these numbers here. Uh, live sports is always a good thing to boost those numbers. We're talking ESPN at number four. Number five, not quite TLC, but in that same uh, ballpark of shows that might help you with your house, might help you with your garden. <laughs> at least that's the theory. If you go by their letters, HGTV. A lot of people like the how-to stuff. I am surprised at some of these, but it's it's... I named channels that I watched because they were popping in my mind. Absolutely. Number six, a little network that uh, used to have a different name, uh, but currently it is known as Investigation Discovery or the ID Channel. A lot of true crime. Uh, Seventh on the list, fake news, fake news. 
CNN comes in at number seven. Number eight on the list, especially this time of year, because there seems to be a new movie every night. The Hallmark Channel. If you want to see films where the woman meets cute with the guy and they have one problem that they have to overcome, but they overcome it by the end. With the magic of Christmas. Usually with the magic of Christmas and one movie with the magic of Hanukkah. One. Uh, it is the Hallmark Channel. I feel like all of this is leading to believe that everyone who watches TV is like a 50 to 60 year old like woman. And I'm just completely the wrong demographic to know what like the average person, the average American actually watches on television. Yeah, well, I think it's more along the lines of uh, most of the quality, 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 quality television is now on the, either the streaming services yeah. Or HBO, which, of course, not in this list because it's a pay service. So there's a lot of that going on. But at number nine, more to your point, the Mr. Robot of it all, the USA Network uh, at number nine. That would have been a good guess for you. I, that was close. I was, I was like wavering, but I feel like I could name. You know why? It's because I watched Lodge 49 and that's on AMC and I really like it. So I was like, oh, they have two shows that are that are good. Uh, well, I'm very sorry uh, then to, that your show's been canceled. But, I know. Uh, yeah. It's a bummer. And now coming in at number 10, you were wavering. You went back and forth. You should have stuck with your guns here. It's TNT. Damn it. I went for the one I knew didn't have Law & Order on it. It's Law & Order. I should have gone. You always, always go with Law & Order. Law and order all the time. Unfortunately, AMC, while The Walking Dead is still watched pretty well, that's pretty much it, and that's only one day of the week. Uh, AMC came in at number 20 on this uh, list. I'm, I'm going to chop this up. This is like the, the millennial answers of, of not having any idea of uh, cable television anymore. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of a crapshoot out of my three, and I chose the wrong one. You chose poorly, so that uh, the score. Well, let's again. Got to do the math here. Heavy lifting of the math here. You carry the zero and the, 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 the sixteen. Hey, you had sixteen going in. You have sixteen coming out. Still sixteen points. It's double. It's double digits. I am happy. As well, you should be very well uh, done with the sixteen here. Let us move on to round three. A chance to increase that score. Uh, point values are going to stay the same. Two, four, six, and eight. The categories, though, they're going to be a little bit different. Here is what they're going to be this time around. We're going to kick things off with movies, followed up with science, move along to Odd Man Out, and wrap up round three with music. First things first, though, movies, two, four, six, or eight. We're going to go with, I have to, I, I'm excited there's science, so we're going to go with six for movies on the virtue of the fact that, like, music tends to be hit or miss for me, and Odd Man Out is, is still a weird new one, so I'll go with six for movies. Six points for movies. Good luck. Here is your six-point movies question. Angela Bennett is a victim of identity theft. In what 1995 film, which Roger Ebert described as so concocted, I had no business caring about it, but I did. Is I feel like this is the movie. I think it is like Reese Witherspoon where it's like two girls that are friends or like... A girl meets someone who is her friend and then slowly over time, um, like, changes everything, like, the same hairstyle and then the same clothing and then, like, tries to take over her life. Because that's what identity theft made me think of. And I, I'm, I'm picturing it as, like, I think it's, like, two, the, I feel like the poster's, like, two blonde young ladies in, like, 
black outfits, but the title of it is escaping me. I could be completely wrong and you could be trying to like fake me out with identity theft, but this is a hundred percent the movie that is popping into my mind and I'm trying to remember the name. Oh God, I feel like I'm, I'm hitting the, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like I'm hitting the plot and the like the blonde white woman type of thing, but I am not picking that the title is just in my mind in there and the tip of my tongue and I feel like it's just not coming to me and I feel like I've seen that like people use this as a verb like you've been blank blanked and it's just killing me because it's not there um I say pre-baby mind me probably would have gotten this in an instant but man ever since having a kid my brain's a little sluggish on the the random recall is it like single white female or something like that let's go with single white female for some reason that just came into my mind and I'm not sure if that's it but let's go with single white female single white female is your answer well, sorry, I've got some good news for you, and I've got some bad yeah, news for you. Yeah, I'm blanking on that title, but I, I did I get the plot right? Well, well, the the good news is is that the movie you're thinking of is indeed single white female. Oh, it's just completely wrong for the it, question. Yeah, it's just completely wrong. It's not Reese Witherspoon. It is Bridget Fonda, uh, and Jennifer Jason Lee are the two. Oh, uh, yeah, in that I, yeah. So, but but yes, it is. Uh, oh, she single white femaled me. Yeah, exactly. That is the movie you were thinking of. Ah, okay. I was asking about. Uh, this is a film that Roger Ebert, uh, as as I said, he uh, he thought the plot was really stupid, and uh, as did I. <laughs> but doggone it, if the star of this film just wasn't so charming that he fell in love with her more so than the film, but it just had an impact on him and he gave the film a thumbs up the star in question is sandra bullock and this is a film called the net oh yeah i never would have gotten there is that the one with the the taco bell no is that the one with taco bell and the sex helmets um or was that a different weird sci-fi movie this isn't sci-fi at no, all No, i'm thinking of another one that she was in Oh, no, that one, I am very happy I managed to, even though it's not the right answer, I just managed to, like, figure out the name of the movie I was thinking of, and that feels like a victory enough for me on that question. It's it's a no-point victory, but hey, uh, if we take the victories, we can get it. Yeah, the the net, um, she is, uh, oh, man, it involves floppy disks and, and, and the computer, the internet in its infancy when no one really understood what was going on there and somehow she uncovers a government conspiracy and they wipe her identity completely wow. uh, from existence and she's on the run and it's uh, it it makes no sense it doesn't hold up plot wise at all but indeed she she's Sandra Bullock so she's kind of charming throughout uh, the film and she she has agency so you know there, there there's that you know it's no miscongeniality but uh... <laughs> Representing New Jersey, so you know. All right, all right. Now let's uh, get on our later hosing and uh, do the water glasses here. Uh, science is up next. I have a feeling, an inkling, where you might be going with this, but I shall ask yeah. two, four, eight. I, I do science, so I got to say eight, but now I know that I said eight. It's going to be something about, like, a facet of biology I have no idea about. What's the Latin name for this? No clue. But let's go with eight. Uh, 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 you know, if, if, I had to, uh, if I had to wager... Uh, on this, I have full confidence in oh, you. Oh, Lord. But uh, we shall see. Here's your eight-point science question. Uh, an ordered array of points, which describes the arrangement of particles that form a crystal, is called a what? Oh, my. 
Did you, did, okay, I gotta ask, did you, like, write this before I was gonna be on here, or write this after? Uh, you know, I, I will say, I wrote this question before, and then, uh, just because I always try to do my due diligence, when I was done, I did look you up on Twitter, just to make sure I had your name spelled right, and, and all that good stuff, and, uh, yeah, I'm fully aware you're getting this one right, and you can explain the reason why, but, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I hope I'm getting this right. Because sometimes when you watch like Jeopardy, you're like, I obviously know that. But if you're a scientist, like in your field, you think about it too much. So I want to say this has to be a lattice, like a crystal lattice is the ordered array of points you use to dictate where you place the atoms in a crystal structure. Um, and this is so up my alley that I am a, a you are, listeners at home. I study condensed matter and materials. So I literally teach a class where this is the first thing on day one of the class. So my answer is lattice. Uh, lattices, and that has to do with some sort of x-rays and whatnot, which I believe is tattooed on your arm. <laughs> it is, yes. One of my, it's my science tattoo is how you use x-rays to like actually measure this structure in materials. Yeah, I got a, I got a huge chuckle about that. I, that's why I was pretty darn confident you were not getting <laughs> shut out in this game. At least you were going to get this question yes. correct. I'm glad you wagered the date on it. Yes, be it an ion or covalent atom structure, we are talking about lattices. Uh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm going to explain this with flavor text to the expert here. <laughs> She's tattooed on her arm. Eight points for yes. you. Well done. Hey, you know, sometimes the questions just fall in your favor. Sometimes they do completely at random and made me smile when i i knew this moment was coming <laughs> eight easy easy points for you i needed well, i needed that it, it certainly ain't gonna hurt which means i just have to crank up the deviousness now like the questions are changing folks come on uh, odd man out is next two points or four points uh four points Four points. Let's see if you got this tattooed on your body. Uh, <laughs> odd man out. Here's how it works. I'm going to give you four items. It is your job to tell me which of these four items doesn't belong. Which is the odd man out for four points. A. Aquarius. B. Cancer. C. Gemini. D. Libra. Which is odd man out. Ooh. Okay. So... They're obviously all um, signs of the Zodiac, but I know they come from different things. So some of the Zodiac, and I don't know if it's all, I'm not an astronomer, um, some of them are also constellations, but I also know they can be broken up into different signs like fire, water, earth, and wind signs, but that is... Those are the two things that are jumping out of me of like, how would you separate one zodiac sign from the other is which one's not like a water sign or not at this sign. Um, Aquarius is clearly is a water bearer. A cancer is I don't know if it'd be a water sign because it's like a crab. So that might make you know, crabs live in the water. Libra are scales and Gemini are twins. Actually, you know what I'm going to go with? Um, I noticed in explaining this, Aquarius is generally a water bearer, so it's a person. Gemini are twins, so they're people. And Libra is... I, a Libra is scales, but I'm thinking of like the justice. I'm thinking of like Lady Justice. And in my mind, I don't know enough about things like the, the types of signs or what is a constellation. But in my mind, I'm going to go with Cancer because it seems the only one that wouldn't be represented visually by a person. It's an animal. Okay. That is your answer, Cancer. 
answer cancer hey that rhymes uh <laughs> so yeah i figured you know what better way to follow up uh, you know a question where we're asking you about science than to ask you a question about something that is completely not science uh that's what we got here you uh correctly uh got that these are all zodiac signs and yes they are grouped without any rhyme or reason quite frankly into uh your your fire signs your earth signs your water signs and your air signs you would think you know that Pisces and Aquarius would be water signs, but no, no, that has nothing to do with it because it doesn't make sense. However, some people are aware of these things. Three of these signs are air signs. Only one of these signs is a water sign. Libra, the scales, as you said, is an air sign. Gemini, also an air sign. Aquarius, an air sign. Cancer is a water sign, so even though your reasoning was completely wrong, your answer is correct, and you oh, get the points anyway. So, Why is Aquarius an air sign? That one actually has, like, water in it. I do look, not understand Look, 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 look. None of these have any grounding in reality. Uh, they do group them, I do believe, every three months. You know, so they kind of just go A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. But other than that... So yay, cancer? Sure. <laughs> Thumbs up for cancer. Indeed. Four points for you. Well done. Well done. That was, that was a, uh, yeah, I would have had, you know, any of them could have been a guess just because I had, that strains the limits of what I know about Zodiac knowledge. And it would have been a, a guess if you, even if you told me, oh, they're all this sign, I would have been like, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, music is up next. It is going to be worth two points to you as it is the last question of round three. Uh, let us not mention that you're on a roll because we don't want to jinx things. <laughs> and move on to our two-point music question. Good luck. And here we go. Two men, both named Russell, ended up with four top three hits from 1980 to 1983 with the same word in the title of all four of those songs. To get your two points, you need to tell me what group I'm talking about and what the word is. So I just want to clarify, the two Russells are in the same group. It's not two different artists. Uh, it is one group with okay. two men, both named Russell. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, this is why I saved two points for your music. It, again, tends to be a little before I was born on a lot of your questions or started listening and being aware of pop music. Two guys named Russell in the early 80s. So we're talking about possibly rock groups or like boy i don't want to say boy bands because they're never boys they're like men but they get you know called boy bands um, i'm trying to think of like what do i know from the early 80s and it's only two points so i feel like i shouldn't you know agonize over this one too much but two four top three hits so they were obviously pretty like a decently prolific group in the early 80s but again this is a little bit before my time and my parents were cool in that they bought us up with a lot of music, but I feel like their stuff was not, like, on the popular side of things. Like, my parents went to the Ramones shows when they were little, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I feel, like, cool now knowing that, but it didn't help my knowledge of, like, pre, pre-birth pre uh, pop music very much. Let's go with, um, I don't know, let's go with the Village People and Disco for no other reasons than that is a band with made with men and... <laughs> Disco was was a musical genre at some point around that time. 
Uh, yes, the village people was made with men. <laughs> Macho was. men, might might say. Yes, I have. Yeah, I have no clue on this one. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna. I'll take minor issue with the oh, before I was born. I mean, you know, you've heard of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. They were around before you were born yeah. too. But you know, I don't, know, I don't necessarily use that as a wholesale argument. But my Beatles knowledge is very poor because that that my parents were not a Beatles par- family. So fair enough. Well, this is a duo both named russell only one as a first name uh, russell hitchcock and graham russell but they're both named russell it's a statement of fact the names of the songs the one that i love which reached number one all out of love which reached number two making love out of nothing at all also number two and lost in love number three love is the word Air supply isn't that like that really cheesy air supply or something like that? Because all out of love is I know that one. It is indeed that really cheesy air supply is the answer. Air supply and love the Australian band. Oh no but, wonder! Because at first I was like Russell Crowe, they're Australian. It makes sense. Let us never speak of them again. Uh, <laughs> you know, nevertheless, the music notwithstanding, you got two right. You got 12 points out of a possible 20. Very well done there. I'm going to add those 12 to the 16 you had coming into round three. And we are entering round four with an incredibly healthy 28 points. Beyond your wildest dreams, I bet. I can see it on your face. Basically. And round four is our highest scoring round of the game. So the point value is plenty of uh, opportunity to increase that score. Three, five, seven, and nine are now on the table. Here are your categories for round four, kicking things off with Around the World. Following that up with everybody's favorite category, I Deafen Grandma. Moving along to not so current events. And we're going to wrap things up with the mashup. First things first. Around the World, three, five, seven, or nine. What say ye? Oh my God, I feel like you put like my least confident categories in this round. I'm gonna go with five. This is this is just like a very little logic about questions, so like point sorting for this one because I feel not great about all of these. So five. Five. Well, you know, you just might surprise yourself. Who knows? Here is your five point around the world question. Good luck. This landmark location, first sighted in 1872 by Ernest Giles is made up primarily of Arcosic sandstone and feldspar. What is it called? First sighted is what's giving me... So a landmark location, 1872. Sandstone and feldspar. It's obviously, my guess is some type of, of ruins. And in a place that... I Do you mean first sighted by, like, modern people? Uh, I mean, first cited by whoever's in charge of writing down things that are cited. Okay. Um, because I, you know, that gets into the tricky question of, yes, obviously if someone built it, other people cite it. But then you have people that were like, oh, someone discovered Machu Picchu in like the early 1900s. And I'm like, yeah, but it was built a long time ago. So it just, it, I'm just trying to parse this for like, what is the meaning of that? Is this in a place? Is it something that was natural and people wouldn't have seen it or is it something built a long time ago that was first reported in the 18 late 1870s when people really started exploring a lot of the new world i'm relatively sure it's not machu picchu because i actually i just watched uh rewatched uh, the lost city of zed fantastic movie 
And that's in like the 1920s, and they had a concurrent discovery of people who just first did Machu Picchu. Sandstone and feldspar. I'm just like thinking a sandstone. It's like, you know, just made of essentially brick and blocks. 1872. It's probably not some of the bigger things in like Mexico because that probably would have been with the conquistadors because they actually like ousted the native populations rather than having that be some type of ruin that is is lost. Sandstone. But it it also might be something that is naturally a natural occurrence. It's not like sandstone and feldspar I think are things that wouldn't be so much underground because that's more of like if we're talking about like caves or something that's more of like limestone and i know these things another possibility i'm thinking of is because sandstone i think has like a reddish tint i'm actually thinking of if this sounds kind of like a british thing like a british person if this is something like uluru because that's a large mound of kind of red rock if this is maybe the first one of the first like Westerners to go to Australia's interior and actually report back on Uluru. I know this isn't completely close to like Australia's founding, but I don't know how many people would have wanted to march across the interior of Australia when it was first founded when there's, you know, not a ton that can supply civilization. Yeah, I'm kind of torn between wanting to say something like Uluru or something in the New World, like Central South America. But the biggest things I can think of in Central South America are either stuff that was probably found by conquistadors, and I know Machu Picchu's not it. So I'm going to go, just because I don't really have any big things one way or the other, I'm going to go with Uluru. Uluru is your answer. Well, we just came off of wonderful band from Australia. Why not stick around in the Australian area? Indeed, the sandstone combined with the feldspar creates a giant monolith. The feldspar uh, changes color depending on how the sunlight hits it, which makes it quite an interesting attraction for people to go to. He first sighted, of course, by people who make the records. Obviously, there were people there who called it Uluru who were uh, native to the area. But Ayers Rock is also an acceptable answer because that's what the the conquering prisoners called it. Uh, Ayers Rock, Uluru, five points for you, you, you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I kind of have been getting into explorers lately, and I know for a lot of the newer world discoveries that weren't like Conquistador, it's kind of early in the eighteen seventy two because a lot of that stuff happened concurrently with like radio and people becoming celebrities as explorers and newspapers and stuff. Yeah. That that's a little bit of a pet area when I have time to dive into. But I that oh I'm glad that I was able to convince myself it wasn't like some random some like ruin in Brazil or anything. Well done indeed. Well reasoned uh, we are moving on now to I Death and Grandma. It can be worth three, seven or nine for you. Again, this is our anagram category. I'm going to read you a statement. You can answer the statement without any other information, however, by way of double check, somewhere in the statement I read you will be words in order that anagram to the correct answer. You don't need to figure out the anagram to get the answer, but it's there. But you don't need it. But it's there. But you don't need it. But it's there. Uh, I definitely grandma. <laughs> Three, seven, or nine. Um, let's go with nine. Nine points. A fan of the wordplay, are you? Uh, no, but. The current events, like not so current events, is within like the six months after I had a kid. So my brain is like mush about that period of life. So I'm very, very unconfident on that one. 
Here is your nine point I deafen grandma. While one participant of the first interracial kiss on television tended more towards women of unnatural hue, tie down the identity of the female character involved in this historic smooch for your points. I believe that the first interracial kiss was actually on Star Trek um, between, I want to say, Michelle Nichols and uh, William Shatner. And you want the character, and she was playing. I have to like look through the uh, look through the sentence itself, but I see a bunch of U's in the sentence, and I believe it's Uhura. And my husband's more of the Star Trek person, so he would probably either correct me for not pronouncing it right or for if there's a U or an O or something like that. But I think it's uh, Shatner is a lot of things, but like one of the good, you know, good things he did was he actually broke TV barriers with this. So I believe it was uh, Uhura. Uhura is your answer. Interestingly enough, there is some debate as to whether or not this should count as the first interracial kiss uh, on television. It all depends on your arbitrary definitions of interracial kiss. After all, on I Love Lucy, Desi Arnaz and, and Lucille Ball were kissing quite frequently. No one seemed to have a problem with that, but I'm not going to get into the identity politics of it all, generally speaking. And there was also an episode, there, Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. would kiss on television as well, on the cheeks, Romantically speaking, white and black, this was considered to be uh, the first interracial kiss. You are correct. It was William Shatner as Captain Kirk and Nichelle Nichols as Lieutenant Uhura. I'm giving you the point. You didn't say lieutenant. If you had analyzed the clue for the uh, anagram, unnatural hue tie anagrams to Lieutenant Uhura. Ah. Okay, because I was looking at all those U's and I was like, it's somewhere in there, but I wasn't like 100% know how to spell horror to begin with, so I was like, I'm sure it's in there. Yes, unnatural hue tie, Lieutenant Uhura, but you knew all about it. You were not taking a random stab in the dark, so I will not quibble over the details there. Nine points for you. Well done. Yeah, I figured one between that and the, the Uluru connection, I was like, oh, I think this is the right one. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, what else are you going to follow up a question about Uluru with and Uhura? I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, not so current events is on tap next. You have two values left. You have the three and the seven. What say ye for not so current events? Yeah, this is the um, mushy brain postpartum period. So we're going to go with three. <laughs> three points. All right, here's how it works. I'm going to give you a question about current events but not from now but from a year ago though more often than not it sounds like i'm asking about something that's going on in the here and now but it's not here is your question from december of 2018 time magazine released its annual person of the year issue who were the recipients of their award you can Either name one of the individuals who received the honors or the overarching theme of the honored group. Who was Time Magazine's Person of the Year 2018? This, this one, I think, is going to, if I get it right, it's just going to have to be based on reasoning. Because um, I definitely don't remember. It's funny, I was at Trivia a few weeks ago, and this was actually one of like the midpoint questions was, here's all these People of the Year covers, who is it? Um, but it's recipients, so that's usually either like it's gonna 
and recipients and a possible theme. So that makes me think it's like one of their large scale overarching ones. Like I think they made it like you one year because it's all about like social media or something like that. This is this is really a stab in the dark because I don't I don't think this one is really gonna. So what was happening a year ago? I mean, right now I, I they announced it. I think it was today that Greta Thun- Thunberg. Um, I don't remember her last name specifically, just one time of the year. And I know there's been a lot of youth movements around the world, you know, for climate change and stuff like that. So uh, part of me is like, is it just the the youth of the world? Is that kind of where they're going? But if they just did that this year, I don't know if that would be last year's. What notable things were happening last year? I either probably purposely forgot about them or really, this is just the combination of Young baby, plus this is the time of the year when I have all my final exams and things due, so I really am super out of all current events. Okay, this is really silly. I'm going to say that their person of the year is, like, social media influencers, because I feel like it, they already they did a symbol of the youth this year. Maybe last year it was about how people are all self-involved and stuff, so let's go with social media influencers. Social media influencers is your answer. So indeed, Greta Thunberg, uh, the climate change advocate, uh, youngest person, I believe, to, uh, I mean, unless a child was looking at the issue where it was you and there was a mirror there, <laughs> so I, mean, I suppose technically uh, someone younger had been, but on average age, probably not. Uh, yes, she and the power of youth was the theme this year, and she is the, uh, the sole recipient of the honors uh, in terms of being their cover person of the year. A year ago... This uh, award went to a group of people known as the Guardians. They were honored uh, as, as they fought the war on truth and trying to keep truth in uh, the media. You know, the, the fighters uh, against fake news and whatnot. The Guardians, the main person who was honored with the picture, they had multiple covers. The, I would say the most prominent was uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Oh, okay. uh, other other people who you could have said was Walone and Kwasoyu, uh, Maria Ressa, and the Capital Gazette, which was the uh, the victims of a an office shooting in a newspaper environment. Uh, but Jamal Khashoggi and these were all people who were incarcerated or killed for being journalists. That was the theme last year. And I'm glad that whole fight against journalists and fake news is over and that we've won. Yay. Yay. See, a lot of changes in a year and then nothing changes in a year. Isn't it fun? All right, I've brought the podcast down. <laughs> Let's move on to something a little more fun, maybe. Uh, the mashup. The mashup, as you know, is two phrases smooshed together and joined by a common word or syllable. This is going to be worth seven points to use. Are you ready for the mashup? I don't have a choice. This is true. As I've uh, tightened the uh, restraints on the hot seat to keep you from uh, fleeing, here is your seven-point mashup question. Abducted from Earth in 1988 by Yondu, this young lad's only connection to his home is a tape of a BBC TV show whose host, Richard Bacon, was fired for taking cocaine. Okay. So the first part I think I have, so the second part is BBC TV show where the host, someone arrested for taking cocaine. That one I, I don't know if I'm going to get because I, it's, so I think the first part I'm pretty sure is Guardians of the Galaxy. 
um, going either Star-Lord or Peter Quill. And I, th- I'm not sure what BBC show I would mash this up with. Because all I'm thinking, like, I'm just thinking of BBC. I'm like, oh, it's not Sherlock. It's not Doctor Who. doesn't fit on either of those. Um, I'm trying to think what's on BBC America that I've watched recently. And by watched recently, I mean can name in any way, shape, or form. So a BBC TV show... That is going to somehow go with my four words, I think, to mash it up with are Star, Lord, Peter, or Quill. And I feel like Star and Lord give me a little bit more to work with a bit about there, just because those are a lot more generic words. I mean, I want to say, like, something with Lord because of the Lords in, in BBC. I don't know. Let's go with, this is just a stab because I really don't think I'm going to hit the BBC part. Star, Lord of the Manor. Star, Lord of the Manor is an Excellent, excellent guess, considering you have no idea what the BBC show is. So you are absolutely correct uh, that uh, we are talking, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy. We're talking uh, Yondu, abducts a young Peter Quill, who subsequently becomes known, or rather not called, (laughs) Star-Lord, because we just won't give him the honor of calling him that. The question is, what is the BBC TV show? This show in question is a show that has been on air in England since the 50s. It is an incredibly long-running children's show, so the young lad might have watched it if he were in England, although he wasn't in England. But Yandu, of course, the reason I mentioned him in the clue is because, of course, he is blue, and the name of this show is Blue Peter. So we were looking for Blue Peter Quill. You were you you knew where I was going there. You just didn't know the name of the show. Yeah, that was just not going to happen. But yeah, Blue Peter is, uh, is has a lot of controversy over the years. But one of the more prominent ones was when you know it's a kid show. You can't have the kid show presenter going out and doing coke and punching walls and people and whatnot. Eh, well, I don't know. We we all know what happened to Barney after he took the purple suit off. You know. Can I give you the points there? But you don't need the points, really, because you had 14 of the possible 24 in that round. We're going to add those to the 28 you had coming in, and, wow, you can't get a score that's much better in my book than Jeez. 42. The only sad thing is you can't stay there. I know. I'm a little bummed. I uh, One of my other nerdy tattoos is a Hitchhiker's Guide tattoo, so I'm like, oh, let's just, let's just call it a day. Well, don't panic. Uh, it is time for the confidence question. It's your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category, and you must, must, wait between one and ten points. Get it right. I will add it to your score, and happily so, but get it wrong. Get it wrong, Sarah, and I'm just going to have to take you into that tattoo parlor and get you a tattoo all about Lake Wobegon and the... Beautiful visage of Garrison Keeler. It's, it's, it's all the rage. Everybody, everyone's getting them. Right, right on my neck, so everyone can see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to post Malonia with the with Garrison <laughs> Keeler tattoo. Sure, why not? Anywho, here's how this works. I asked the person who's sitting in the hot seat to give me three categories uh, that they feel comfortable and confident in. And sorry, you have graciously done so. I have deviously selected. And here's an interesting fun fact you asked me before. Hey, AJ. Did you write that lattice question before you checked me out? And like, yeah, yeah, I did. However, once I did, even though I I was very much ready, I was ready. I had a question all about Vera Rubin and Dark (laughs) Matter all lined up. And I checked your Twitter feed and then you had tweeted someone else who had said, hey, check out this article on Vera Rubin uh, not so long ago. So there goes that. So I will not be picking women in physics, although I thought it was a wonderful category. 
just just so you know, that's the reason we're not going there. <laughs> I did want to put it because I at first I almost put physics. I was like, no, women in physics, because too often you resort to like the white men in physics. I was like, this at least brings in the, the little feminism punch if we ended up with that one. And, and I'm all for it. I am all for inclusion and often oftentimes go uh, the inclusionary route. But not this time, because hey, come on, that would have been a slam dunk, no brainer layup for you. <laughs> and so instead Gone in the complete opposite direction. And we're going with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. How many points on a scale of 1 to 10 would you like to wager on this question? This is hard because I want to go big or go home. But I'm like, if I could end in the 40s, I'll be like super duper happy. I feel like one of my problems with trivia, it was hard coming up with categories. I feel like I'm a generalist. I know a lot about a little, like a little about a lot of things. But it was really hard for me to be like, what's a category I can do a really deep dive in? I want to say two because that way if I like lose, it's 40. But I feel like that is wussing out a little bit. Let's go with, let's go the middle of the road. We go with five because if I get it wrong, I finish in the high, you know, 30s and could be proud of that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Five points on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Here is your question. Anyone who has seen the movie knows that in the beginning there were lips. But after that, what are the names of the happy couple getting married at the church? Oh, goodness. Um, I know his name, I believe, is... It's... Oh, okay. It's... Oh, yes. I know his name is Ralph. And I know their last name is... It's like Hapshat because there is an audience callback line that I cannot say here. Um, blank, blank, will travel. It, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a little bit, it's a rated R movie. I believe her name is Betty. I think it's Ralph and Betty. Ralph and Betty Hapshat uh, is your answer. I mean, you gave the last name, but, it, it, you know, if you don't want to officially get the last name, that's fine. I really, I only cared about the, the first names, but you went more specific there. And why not give yourself full credit for getting Hapshat, right? Uh, the question is, did you remember the first names correctly as well? I'm not going to belabor this any longer. Of course you did. Well done. Ralph and Betty Hapshat is the correct answer. Dark Matter would have been the correct answer <laughs> for the viewer question. Well done. Five points added to your 42, which gives you a grand total of 47. Not too shabby. In fact, quite well done. Congratulations, Sarah. You did quite nicely after that first round i'm sure yeah. you had your doubts but you finished strong uh, how you feeling now that we have uh, finished our game and you have done so well i feel good i wish i had like like a noisemaker that went off like yeah like little streamers and stuff because that actually felt pretty good i feel like my brain is coming back to me and that feels good <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Anything uh, you would like to plug or promote or shout out to? Uh, you've certainly earned the right last thoughts. I do, since one of my dogs is right here and the other one was barking a little while. Um, I want to plug a local rescue that I got my dogs at. It's called Cause for San Bernardino Paws. And uh, the area I live in in Southern California, there's some really economically disadvantaged parts of it. And often, way too often, I think this ties in with animals that aren't really well taken care of or often dropped off at the side of the road. So uh, Cause for San Bernardino Paws is the rescue group we got our two dogs from. And one of them is crazy and one of them is an old grumpy man, but I love them very much. And I'm always happy to support that organization when I can because they really help out um, in doing a great job of fostering dogs from our local area, both ones that kind of get found in, you know, on the street, but also taking dogs out of shelters that they might otherwise meet a not so good fate. 
update on. So that's what I mostly wanted to plug. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, this was I had a great time. Uh, it was certainly the pleasure was was mine, uh, and certainly I, I'm sure the crowd out there, while maybe not so happy with your high score, you set the bar pretty high this week. <laughs> oh God! But. Nevertheless, thank you so much for being a guest. Uh, appreciate that. I appreciate your patronage of the show. If you'd like to also help out, you can go to patreon.com slash beatmyguest. You can join our Facebook group and chat with folks who uh, like to chat about the show. Beat My Guest, the fans' hot seat. That's on Facebook. And if you have any quibbles about anything that I said here today, uh, question-wise or otherwise, bmgpod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Sarah, Get out my hot seat. Yeah, I got to cool down after that, so. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week with another new episode. Until then, take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todd, and production. 